Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Associate Pastor Ian Mulraney. John chapter 1, from verse 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So I know a story about a child who grew up in a city along a very busy street. Every night when that child went to sleep, he would look at his ceiling and watch lights from the traffic outside go by his window. So his room was never dark, and it brought him a sense of comfort watching the cars go by with the headlights shining in his window. Because no matter what hour of the night, he could look around his room and see all corners of it. Then when that child was about nine years old, they moved out into the country. And in the new bedroom in the country house, there were just no traffic. At nighttime, when the lights went out, it was pitch black, darkness. When the child went to sleep out in the country bedroom, his mind started to see and fill in the gaps filled with dark creatures and monsters and people with malevolent intent lurking in the shadows. And that child became afraid and would cry to their parents. And so what ended up happening was my parents, I mean that child's parents, ended up getting him a Scooby-Doo nightlight. And that Scooby-Doo nightlight was just a dim light in the corner of the room, but man, did it make all the difference for that little boy. Um, He began to be able to sleep peacefully at night, just knowing that the darkness was not enshrouding anymore, but that a light had pierced through it. 
But we're here to talk about faith. Faith. What is faith? It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. It's that firm, sound belief that even though we cannot see or feel or hear something, that we believe it is true and it is there. But why does faith matter? Why even have it? I have a friend who had faith and is convinced that mice are one day going to take over the entire world. That there's going to be a secret society of mice who have ginormous brains from science experiments that are going to rise up, overthrow civilization, and become our overlords one day. So he began stockpiling all sorts of cheeses and teaching himself how to make cheese in the hopes that when this eventual mice overthrow happens, that he is going to befriend them. I thought my friend was an idiot. <laughs> I bought three cats instead. <laughs> faith in something makes you live differently. Whether that faith is in feelings you have for a certain person or you, that you believe they have towards you, whether it is in an omniscient deity that you cannot see, or whether it's faith in a potential futuristic mice overthrow of the government. If you truly believe something, it's going to affect how you live your life here and now. And so if we are Christians, and we have faith in one God, who we believe created all men in his image, that should translate to us treating other individuals with respect and dignity because we believe no matter who they are, what country they come from, how they talk, dress, walk, that we believe that they were made in the image of God just as we were. That should mean that if we are Christians who really have faith that Jesus died for our sins, that we can forgive others when they sin against us no matter how heinous or atrocious that sin is, because we believe that Jesus died for us. If we believe that God is omniscient and omnipotent and the one who is taking care of us and all of our needs, then we can be generous and selfless and giving towards others because we know that we're not responsible for our security and safety, but God is. And if we really have faith that we have life eternal with Jesus starting now and going into everlasting, then Christians can be the ones who enter into precarious and dangerous situations first when the need arises, because we no longer have to be afraid of death. This is what our faith can do for Christians who believe in Jesus and his Father. And yet, if you took an honest evaluation of all of Christianity right now, I don't know if we're necessarily always doing it that way. I don't know if we're always the most generous or the most forgiving people 
the most willing to take up our cross and risk our lives. And I guess I suppose it comes down to a crisis of faith. We profess that Jesus is Lord, but we still fear for our safety and well-being. And you know what? Our fears are usually justified. Everyone here has had a moment in life where the unspeakable has happened, I'm sure. Just a day where the floor dropped out from underneath you and everything that you thought could go wrong did go wrong. Days like that are evil days. Whether it was the loss of someone you loved, getting fired from a career unexpectedly, or other unspeakable horrors or tragedies. There is a darkness in this world. And so when we are up against this darkness, it's easy for us to not want to keep our faith in God, but bring it closer to home and to more tangible things like wealth. We can see how our bank account numbers are doing into strength, into power, into climbing corporate ladders, things that all appear stalwart from outside but are not guaranteed to give any single person on earth in the history of the world true peace. Over time, I've also encountered a number of Christians who are a little mixed up about their faith. They're Christians, but I think they think they're Muslims? I'm not sure. I call them Quran Christians. You know the ones. These are Christians who will hold up the Bible and say, this is the word of God. That's a nice sentiment. And that is what Muslims believe about the Quran, that uh, the angel Gabriel spoke the literal words of God to the prophet Muhammad, and they were recorded in that book. I'm sure that offers a lot of comfort to have a holy book which is from the mouth of God himself. But this might be a little controversial, but the Bible is not the Quran. It holds words from God in it, but it never makes the bold statement that it is in fact the word of God itself. The Bible is an amazing, good book filled with genealogies and histories, prophecies and poems, gospels and revelations. And God speaks in the Bible, but it's always in a context. Because the point of the Bible is not to be the word of God, but to point us to the word of God. Point us to the word of God like in passages this morning from the first chapter of John, where the word of God is not just text on a page, but a living, breathing, moving being, part of the Godhead, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who the Father sent into the world. And this word does not return to the Father void. It accomplishes everything that the Father sends it to do. It achieves its purposes that the Father sends it. And you know what that purpose was? It's to give us something to believe in. 
Because when we believe, what did John say in our chapter this morning? We are given the right to become children of God. It's sweet to trust in Jesus, to cast our faith on him. But if we establish that faith is going to change the way that you live your life now, that means that Jesus is actually a very tricky word to put our faith in. Because if we were Quran Christians, we could, whenever a dilemma arose in our community about any moral issue or even extra moral, what to wear, how to pray, we could just open up to the right page and know the answer. But it's a lot harder when the Word of God is living. When the Word of God gets tired and gets hungry, when the Word of God has good days and bad days, the Word of God, which in Scripture itself, one day a man will come up to him saying, Teacher, heal me. And the Word of God says, I'm willing, be clean. And then another day, another person comes up to the Word seeking healing. And the word says, how long am I to be among you? A word which changes its answers based on context doesn't let us who are seeking security and comfort and strong footing necessarily have that which we seek. And so when the world is filled with darkness, when light seems to be missing, when problems arise and there's struggles and strife and longing, it's easier to want to gain control for ourselves and put our faith in ourselves instead of Jesus. Faith in the word of God means that we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and open to the dynamic being of God himself. We have to be knowing that God responds differently in different contexts to different audiences that sometimes God is a gentle whisper. And sometimes the word is a roaring lion. The word might give compassion to people we do not like. The word might challenge us to repent of ways that we contribute to the darkness. And so, with such a dynamic, ever-situational word of God, is it no wonder that if you plucked any two Christians out of, if you picked two random Christians from any geographical point and point in history, and ask them the same questions, you're going to get very different answers on what it looks like to be a Christian. They might answer differently on what a Christian is supposed to wear, how long their hair is supposed to be, whether a Christian is supposed to sing, what kind of music is acceptable to worship God with, should Christians be involved in the military, and would God allow for same-sex marriages. The reason is because the lowercase w word of God is open to interpretation on these and infinitely more topics. And the big W word of God 
seems content in never giving easy yes or no answers. Jesus allows us to struggle and to discern. I mean, the word of God used parables, for goodness sake, for real relationship. So what does that mean for us, though, for how we want to live as Christians? Are there right answers to some of the questions I posed? Maybe. Will we be wrong on certain issues? Probably yes. If you get the answers wrong to some of these questions, does that disqualify you from being a Christian? Earlier this week, my son Oliver had a play date with one of Amanda's friends who has a two-year-old. And during that play date, the two-year-old took one of Oliver's toys, it was kind of hard, and just whacked Oliver right in the head with it. And his mom was freaking out, saying, no, we do not do that. That is not nice, we need to be gentle. And so, in response to his mom telling him he shouldn't do that, he went over to Oliver and smacked him in the face. As of this morning, it's been five days, that mother still has not disinherited her two-year-old. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> Take heart, because your relationship with God is not based on how well you have followed the rules or get everything right. Your relationship with him is based on your status as God's child. That by faith, we are made children of God. And this is good news, and this is a miracle, and this should bring us joy and peace and hope and just be the most awesome thing that we ourselves are considered God's children. But I feel like often those words fall meaningless. It seems meaningless because our world is a world filled with darkness. Up to now, I really haven't dwelt on the darkness. I've dabbled. But I feel like I don't... The reason is I do not need to really delve into it. I'm going to, but... I, I don't think I really have to because we all know that this world is a dark, scary, evil place. Today is a day of darkness, September 11th. I'm sure that all of you who are old enough to remember the events of 2001 know exactly where you were when you heard about uh, the hijackings and the attacks. Within two hours, thousands of the people died. Any sense of security or peace we might have experienced up to that point was robbed for us for years. The darkness is made of fear. It's made of hatred and ignorance. It surrounds us and it drowns us with despair. And it drags us into sin The darkness. The darkness is vast and empty. Online and in person, I hear 
people talking about these days, the void, filling the void, you know, and that's what they use to ex describe me or uh, existence itself is the void. A dark hole. And so we try to fill the void. We put content down it, TV, um, books, media, YouTube, podcasts, entertainment in all its forms. We try drugs. We turn to alcohol. We look for relationships that maybe will give us meaning that perhaps this person likes me, then it'll, then my life will mean something. But nothing works. Like the black hole that it is, the darkness consumes anything we push towards it, leaving us emptier and lonelier than we were before. And sometimes when the darkness pushes in, we throw up our hands, we just ask, what is it all about? Is this really what we're here for? To suffer, to hunger, to fill, be filled with loneliness and dread and hate ourselves and our very existence. And the darkness manifests itself in cruel and bitter ways. You can think about the ways it's affected you. Here's just a little snapshot of how it has affected me. Growing up, I had a very emotionally neglectful home. Couldn't really come home with a lot of problems. Between the ages of eight and nine, I was molested repeatedly by an older neighbor child. Someone I had thought was a friend. When I was in eighth grade, the body that I had been comfortable with up to that point, I got through most of middle school, which I'm sure a lot of us didn't, with zero body confidence issues, until the hairdresser I had gone to all my life talked about how ugly the gap in between my teeth was. I started hating my teeth, I started hating my hair, which I could never seem to get controlled as it was very curly and unruly. I've lost so many people that I know to suicide that I've actually, I, can't, I lost count. I can't even number it anymore. Among them was my best friend from church growing up and my brother-in-law. Last year, this week actually, is the one year anniversary, another of my very close friends died in a freak rock climbing accident while he was on vacation in Europe. He left behind two parents, five siblings, and a girlfriend that he was going to propose to later last year. School started this week. And as students were going back, I found myself praying not just for their education, but I was praying for the families of the teachers and students who we were probably going to lose to gun violence. I've witnessed elementary school children get murdered three times in my life, and now I'm a little too cynical to think it's going to be the last. And as I was praying, I was thinking about, I don't know who I feel sorry, more sorry for if there is another shooting incident. The children and their families who would be shot and killed, or the children who are shot and survive, because I know how the pharmaceutical and insurance companies will strap that family with debt for the rest of their lives. 
It's a dark world. These are just a few problems. We could go on all day talking about everything that's wrong in this culture, in cultures around the globe, in our own lives, ways we've been hurt and affected. That the darkness surrounds us and it blinds us and it wounds us and it seeks to consume us. It's hungry for us, but no matter how much it tries to consume us, it seems to fail. It cannot overly consume humanity, you and I. Despite the wickedness, greed, and violence which permeate our human hearts and social structures, darkness has never accomplished fully annihilating us. Why? Because there's a light that shines in the darkness. And brothers and sisters, that darkness cannot overcome it. The light, which is life and gives light to everyone in this world, still shines brightly. And that light is the word of God. The word which was with God in the beginning, through, all, through him all things were made. And that means all of us have light and life in us because of him. And the, the word fights against the darkness by being the light. We tell the story, you know, the most important story in Christianity of the crucifixion and resurrection. And if you've ever wondered why the cross was so brutal, it's because sin is brutal. The darkness is brutal. The word took the powers of darkness upon himself. And for three days, it looked like the darkness had snuffed out the light. But on Easter Sunday, that smoldering wick blazed back into life. And that light shines brighter than ever before. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Sometimes when we're out there staring into the darkness, it's easy to forget that God is real and God is good and that Christ cares and that Christ is transforming our lives and our society. In spite of the evil I've witnessed in my life, I'm able to have hope in this fact. Hope because my faith is in the living word of God. And so that faith in Jesus changes my life by forcing me to acknowledge that no matter how dark things are, I can never give up hope. That evil, though these days seem evil, that they will one day come to an end. Amen? Amen. That darkness will not have the final say, no matter how bad things get here. That the smallest flame burning is enough to conquer the darkness and give us hope and light. So I don't know where you guys are this morning. I don't know if you have fear or are wrestling with brokenness in your own life. I don't know if, where your anxieties are or how you've been struggling, but I want to invite you to just, if you have fear, remember your identity as a child of God. Remember that Jesus loves you. 
And if you're scared of the dark, call out to him in the night. Because the light he offers is much more powerful than a Scooby-Doo nightlight. And it fights back against the darkness and gives us hope. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.